Ladies and gentlemen. Ali, a sneaky right hand. Another sneaky right hand. This time he works over the shoulder of Foreman. Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. No better place to be in the Las Vegas Strip. Our Friday home, of course, it is the T.C. Martin Show streaming live coast-to-coast, border-to-border, sea to shining sea, and, of course, locally here in Las Vegas as well. T.C. Martin, courtside, where? Inside the fabulous sportsbook powered by William Hill. And today, we've got a football Friday. We've got a Major League Baseball playoff Friday, and it's fight week. So it is a fight Friday as well, too. Jam-packed show coming your way as always. Glad to have you with us here from the hub on the strip, the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas inside the William Hill Sportsbook. We have a jam-packed crowd here tonight. A lot of baseball fans in the house too. I, I see a lot of a lot of black and white, a little old school red, white, and blue white socks love here. We got some Sox fans in the house, it looks like, definitely, huh? And where's my Houston brethren? Do I see many Astros fans here tonight? Not not really, right? All right, we've got Major League Baseball. We've got game number two between the Astros and the White Sox and the ALDS happening. Also, the Milwaukee Brewers and the Atlanta Braves underway in Milwaukee in uh, game one of the NLDS in a huge baseball day-to-day. Four games going on. So we've got that to talk about. And, of course, it is a huge college football weekend. The Red River rivalry shootout, call it whatever you want. Oklahoma, Texas, we'll preview that with a plethora of other college football games coming your way on Saturday. And then, of course, the NFL week number five. We dive into that. And uh, highlighted by your Las Vegas Raiders hosting the Chicago Bears. A lot of people in town from Chicago to uh, see the Bears and the Raiders coming up on Sunday. So busy, busy weekend. And, of course, it is fight weekend. It is Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder 3 for the World Heavyweight Championship T-Mobile Arena. Build as once and for all. We will dive into that today as well, too. So we're hitting it all for you. Baseball, football, and, of course, boxing. It is fight week here in Las Vegas, and no better place to be, as always. A great show on tap, great guest lineup as usual. Mike Pritchard will join us, the former wide receiver. 
and uh, does a fantastic job on Raider Nation Radio and VEASAN as well, too. One of my former colleagues uh, as well. Uh, so always love having Pritch on, the former wide receiver. And uh, prided of the Colorado Buffaloes. Of course, Pritch played uh, eight, nine seasons in the NFL, so he will uh, join us. And then, of course, our Best Bet segment coming your way like we do each and every Friday. And uh, Trevor Maddich will be joining us, the 15-time Emmy Award winner, the former offensive lineman, but the 15-time Emmy Award winner from ESPN. Does a great job on ESPN College Football. He will join us as well, too. And our best bets are three best college plays, three best NFL plays, all up on the website at tcmartinshow.com. All right. Marco D'Angelo in the house, our handicapper extraordinaire from Wager Talk. He will join us a little bit later on. But we start the show, since it is fight week, with my man who resided in Tampa, Florida for many, many years, but now moved over a little closer to us in Denver, Colorado, the Mile High City. And he is the author, proprietor of a great website, The Big Fight Weekend. Uh, you can check his articles, his videos, and he's in town covering the fight. We're talking about Marquise Johns. Marquise, great to see you here in Vegas on our home turf here at the Cosmopolitan. TC, this is an event not like nothing ever. This is absolutely amazing. <laughs> yep. Well, great to have you here, my friend. Well, we're covering it all. Nonstop sports talk, of course, coming your way till the 4 o'clock hour here uh, today. Marquise, you're here, obviously, for Fury Wilder 3. Mm-hmm. I know you and I have talked a little bit about it with you know different uh, p- podcast platforms or whatever, but here I wanted to get you on my show since you were in town here this week, and let's, let's preview this fight. Yes. And uh, give me your thoughts. I mean, here we go. Uh, the hype has been built. The hype was subdued because of postponements, cancellations. Not sure that we were even going to get a third fight, but we've got it. And it's coming your way tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena. Build as once and for all. And for me personally, I hope this is third and all. And we're done with this trilogy with Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder. I think we are, TC, finally doing this fight on Saturday night once it's all said and done, hopefully. My thing I'm thinking of, TJ, TC, is that this stacked card on the undercard is up and down really, really good. And personally, I think the main event's a wash, but the yeah. everything leading up to it, because it's all heavyweights, right. we don't know the unexpected. We haven't seen these guys fighting over a year and a half because of the pandemic and layoffs. It's going to be a real fun time to see what's going to happen. Yeah, and it will be a great card. So if you are going to T-Mobile Arena, get there early. And like Marquis said, it's a stacked heavyweight undercard as well, too. Bob Arum, top rank in conjunction with uh, PBC, uh, Al Heyman. It's always tough for these two promoters to to work together, but they did it before in the last fight, and uh, according to Bob Arum, the relationship is a little bit better, and it's it's nice to see because both of these uh, companies have some quality fighters, as we know. We know that, you know, we've been going back and forth with the welterweight division, with Heyman, with, you know, having all those welterweights, and then there's... Uh, Terrence Crawford just sitting by himself there under the top rank banner. So finally, we're going to get the first press conference between Showtime Sean Porter, our good friend, and uh, and Terrence Crawford coming up tomorrow as well, too. So a lot of big boxing coming your way in Vegas. And then also, you know, sandwich in Caleb Plant and Canelo Alvarez as well. Yeah, no, it's a big fight week schedule to close out the year, TC. And the one thing I'm looking forward to, especially, is that fight with Canelo uh, and Caleb Plant for the undisputed uh, super middleweight at 168 because it's one of those fights that we just don't know if Canelo can make history or if a clamp will pull off the upset. It's one of those fights that I really want to see how it's going to shape out. Yeah, I know. So it's it's a great fight time here in Vegas, and it's great.
straight to have fights back here in the boxing slash entertainment slash now sports capital of the world. <laughs> and uh, it'll all take place uh, tomorrow night. A lot of people have been asking me, what is the crowd going to be like tomorrow night for Fury Wilder? And I, the crowd is going to be good. We had Bob Aramon a couple of days ago, and Bob said that the, it, the venue is not sold out yet. But it does, you know, see 18,000 plus for boxing. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Usually, when you have a Tyson Fury fight, you can bank on at least anywhere from eight to ten thousand Brits, you know, coming across the pond. But yeah. because of the travel restrictions due to COVID, uh, that's actually not going to happen. But uh, you know, I like to point out to everybody, you know, Tyson Fury has fought several times. Or what? This will be his what, fourth or fifth time fighting here in Las Vegas, and Las Vegans love him. People in uh, America love him. He really has turned into an Americanized version of the American heavyweight that we haven't had in, in decades. No, and that's the one thing that uh, I know with Top Rank, especially Bob was been talking about for years, is trying to find that next heavyweight to be the next guy that could be stand out in, like Tyson Fury. And Fury's been filling that spot up, uh, especially since he won the belt over Deontay Walter back in February 2020. He's been officially the man. And now that he is the man, is, is, we'll, we'll see where he goes from here with it. Yeah. So uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, this is the third fight. Uh, you know, we go back to the first fight. took place in December of 2018. Mm-hmm. It was a draw. It was a controversial draw. Uh, it really captured everyone's attention. At that point in time, not a lot of people knew too much about Tyson Fury. You knew about Deontay Wilder because he had de- defended his title on 10 different occasions. Yeah. And he was the guy from Birmingham, Alabama that had a big punch and really kind of set the... Uh, the world on fire, even though he kind of came out of nowhere because this guy didn't start boxing until late, really doesn't have great boxing fundamentals at all, but he has that one weapon that uh, is, you know, so intriguing to just, not just boxing fans, but casual sports fans, where he could put you to sleep with that, as Bob Aaron liked to call it, the bullet. He's got that (laughs) bullet punch, you know, uh, and that thunderous, uh, you know, right hand, which he's put out so many opponents, and we saw him drop Tyson Fury not once but twice in that first fight in uh, December of 2018, the Staples Center in L.A., but Tyson Fury shocked the world by coming into that fight and being able not only to hang with Deontay Wilder, but basically win most of those rounds, even though Tyson Fury went down in the 12th and final round, and most people thought he would not get up with that ferocious right hand by Wilder. It, It was phenomenal, and Tyson Fury was composed, gathered himself, got up at the count of nine, probably ended up maybe even winning that 12th round, and, uh, and, we went to the judges' scorecards, and we got a draw, which kind of set up the whole second fight in the trilogy. Yeah, and that, that's what led up everything up to the second fight. The one thing about that first fight that always that people tend to forget is that Fury was considered an also reign at this point, where he shouldn't have been here. Where he was just going to be his never guy for uh, Fury for Wilder to line up and to get agree with a right hand, which he did twice, but it, it wasn't enough because he was out being outboxed the entire time. Uh, that's what led to the second fight, TC, where pretty much he did everything he said he was beforehand. And actually executed everything he did in it when it took place in February 2020, where he said he was going to come in bigger. He came in bigger. He was going to use more of his reach. He was going to try to make in this fight in two or three rounds. He, he knocked him down in the third round. He was trying. Right. He took to the seventh. But, no, he was – it's one of those things where this, this fight, this third time around, where I was really surprised, uh, like, leading up to it t- hype-wise – they really had nothing else to say. That's why, like, before it got postponed back in July, they, these guys had a staring contest. They had nothing else to do at this point. So they, they just figured, all right, well, we'll just uh, stare at each other and hope that the bell will ring the next time we see each other. Right. And, and, and that's where we are for Saturday night. And people, like I said, go back to that first fight, that famous 12th round, just one of the most uh, electrifying rounds that we've 
you've seen in boxing in quite some time. And uh, that set up a rematch of February 2020 where Fury won, like you mentioned, in a seventh-round TKO uh, with a stoppage. But, you know, that was a night that Tyson Fury thoroughly dominated. He showed that he got himself in shape. Remember, this is a guy who had come off drug, alcohol addiction, mm -hmm. uh, was basically on death's doorstep, was yeah. suicidal thoughts, ballooned up to 400 pounds. And, uh, you know, so he really shocked everybody, and maybe even including himself, you know, with that first fight, the way he came back. But since then, Tyson Fury has just been uh, a man on a mission. He's cleaned up his life. Good for him. And again, when you talk about heavyweights, Tyson Fury is is the signature heavyweight that people want to want to flock to. They want to watch. They want to talk about. And not only can he fight, and he's got great punching power. He's got great boxing ability. But he's a crowd favorite as well, too. Yes, well, that's the thing, T.C., with Fury. Not only does he talk all this noise, he backs it up. And the fact that he's backing it up now, directly just with this offensive, is one of those things, uh, T.C., that I always love about these fights because you always find out how, 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 much, how tough these guys really are at the end of the day. And for, for, for as much as Fury has overcame, this is just one of those stories that make, makes a great story for the third book he's going to write on at some point. All right, Marquise Johns joins us from Big Fight Weekend. Join us here at the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas getting ready for Fury Wilder 3 tomorrow night. All right, so we come up with a third fight tomorrow night. And like I mentioned, Fury won basically every round of the last fight that took place here in Vegas mm -hmm. February of last year. If you go back to the, the, the first two fights, you can maybe make an argument that maybe Deontay Wilder won what? Maybe two, three, maybe four rounds tops? It, you know, you can, you sure. know, let's go with four for, for a conversation. Let's, let's just say, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But the bottom line is Tyson Fury pretty much had ha, has won the majority of the battles of rounds when these two combatants have gotten the ring, and especially, you know, in, in that second fight. Yeah. So the question here is, mm -hmm. how bad do we really want to see this fight? Well, we want to see it, TC, because the one thing that Fury always has, and it's the thing that he does in a lot of these fights, is he's good for, he mentions all the time in his press fight conferences where he says he only has to be good for three seconds while everyone has to be good for 12 rounds, and pretty much he has lived and died by that for over 42 fights, right. and that's what we're going to get on Saturday night, because it's just that, we, we, it's always to see if he can set up that right hand, to see if he can land with Fury one more time. We, see how to, we saw him do it in the first fight, right. he tr sort of kind of lost his range in the second fight and had no shot whatsoever, especially once he got knocked down in the third round, that was over, so we're hoping to see if he can go back to the third fight with his third fight if he can repeat what he did in the first one or if there's going to be his repeating stuff with the second again all right so when you look at both of these guys here uh they both have relatively new trainers over the last couple of years now for deontay wilder he made a trainer change after the last fight you know mark breland is it was very uh much talked about where they had problems we saw you know, Wilder was more concerned about his ring entrance yeah. and wearing this costume that weighed whatever, 22 pounds or whatever it was. And then he got tired, he got fatigued, and he blamed that. I mean, it was really amateurish for a guy who was, you know, undoubtedly the world heavyweight champion at that point in time, 10 title defenses. I mean, it was, it was crazy to hear the, the excuses that he made afterwards and then the accusations that Tyson Fury, you know, had... You know, brass knuckles or something in his gloves. Wait, yeah, oh, you know, all this other nonsense, which, again, for casual boxing fans, that is preposterous and, is, and it's absurd because you're doing this in front of the Nevada State Athletic Commission where you're putting the gloves on, you're wrapping your hands, and you have one of your cornermen is overseeing this in each other's, uh, you know, dressing room. Yeah. So, 
it just seemed like Deontay Wilder was searching or making excuses. And Tyson Fury in the press conference on Wednesday was saying, listen, man, I mean, you've made all of these excuses, all this stuff, but then again, you found that you had to find, uh, bring yourself in a new trainer and all this other kind of stuff. And Wilder is still sticking to this that Fury cheated. What was your, your stance on, 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 the, on going back to the second fight after that and then having to get brought up again or still from Deontay Wilder. It's still ridiculous, DC. And it's one of those things with the with the fact that he's playing like the, with the conspiracy theories with the costume and the fact that he had that spiked water was my personal favorite one. It, it's one of those things where I just don't think Wilder was just really to accept the fact that he lost the fight. And he was trying to do anything he could, plausible or feasible, to, ex- to erase the fact that he didn't lose that fight and was trying to put it on something else. Hey, say, you know, it's a lot easier if you, if you figure out after you lost, like, hey, it wasn't my fault. He cheated. You know, I mean, it's, it's a plausible story. It helps you sleep at night. But at the end of the day, he still lost. Yeah. So that, that's, that's what happens now. And hopefully, if, if he changes anything, with, with, hopefully with his new trainer and technique, we, we hope to see in the ring Saturday night. We mm-hmm. see something different from Wilder, at uh, least punch-wise or setup-wise. Malik Scott, okay, who actually Wilder fought. Now, Malik Scott was a former Sp- heavyweight Sparked himself. him, too, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So what do you... What do you make of Malik Scott as, as a relatively new trainer, but now training Tyson Fury for, uh, rather, uh, training Deontay Wilder in Wilder's biggest fight of his career? And basically, this is it's kind of do-or-die time for Wilder, who is an aging fighter. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, in public perception view, I mean, he's he's not at the peak of the mountain like he was two or three years ago. No, he's not. And the thing with uh, Malik Scott that I think this will be interesting, and we'll find out immediately once the bell rings, is if, if, if Malik Scott can somehow train Wilder to undo these things that he hasn't done for like the last 15 fights, where he doesn't set up a jab or use his left hand for certain fights. And we'll see if Malik Scott can do that. I just don't know if that's going to be the case because the one thing I remember Fury mentioning before uh, the media stuff was set up this week, he mentioned a great quote where he says he can do all the stuff he wants beforehand until he gets punched and he reverts back to what he was before. And that's where I think we're going to get with Wilder once again once he gets hit. All right. Uh, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury, T-Mobile Arena tomorrow night, heavyweight championship of the world. Looking forward uh, to that. Uh, we were going to play some of the audio yeah. from the uh, press conference today, and especially the last four minutes. Yeah. But because there were so many F-bombs <laughs> that were delivered in that, we, we can't air it. Yeah. And it would, have get, it would have put Numchuck to extra, extra, extra work to, I think, you know, record number uh, Lots of, of radio silence. <laughs> exactly. So you saw it, I'm sure. Yeah. Give us your thoughts because this were two, these were two guys – they were just pretty much on the attack with each other, but it started off kind of slow, kind of mellow, where Deontay Wilder said, you know what, I'm just, I'm, I'm not going to listen to this nonsense. But then he got engaged, and Tyson Fury, as Tyson Fury does, yeah. just took over the press conference, as entertaining as he was, and called out Deontay Wilder. And the thing just, it morphed into four and a half minutes of them just talking over each other, yelling and screaming, where Bob Arum was so infuriated, he said, we're not even going to do a face-off. And he said... I do not want to risk these guys going at it on the stage. He goes, here's Bob's quote, in a, I'm paraphrasing, says these guys can kill each other in the ring. He goes, but I'm not going to have them do it, you know, on a stage three days before they get in the ring. So yeah. he called off the face-off. Yeah, he didn't want any free action here. Right. So you got to get paper view Saturday night, uh, check your local listings. But no, it's, it's the one thing with uh, that, I, I will admit, and I think also the, to Bob's credit, I guess he didn't want to have the, the same scenario happen beforehand, what happened weeks before with Caleb Plant and Caleb Alvarez, there where, you go. Right. Where, Ke- where Caleb Plant made the first move. I mean, to, to his credit, he, he landed on Canelo, but the counter that Canelo had with that left jab, it's the reason why the, the, the odds went up for 
from like 650 to like I think like 1100 now right. at this point. And it's like, yeah, they saw that happen. It's like you can't you can't unsee that. Right. <laughs> All right. Uh, looking forward to it. All right, man. What, uh, how do you think this uh, fight plays out tomorrow night? You know what? I've been saying it all week, and I'm in the camp where I think this is going to be a draw because there's just way too many unknowns of all of this. And I also am not a big fan of Russell Moore, who's refereeing this fight, where I just have a feeling that he's going to find some way to make himself part of it. We hope and, not. Unfortunately. It, it's weird, TZ, because before that all this started, they had Mark Ortega being near up the referee, which I thought would have been better for Fury. Actually, better for Wilder, actually, because the one thing that Ortega does a lot was he doesn't like anything inside. So and the one thing that Fury did in the second fight was he smothered Wilder to death. And then Ortega wasn't going to have any of that. I don't know what version of Moore we're going to get. Are we going to get an act of Moore or the one that's been sitting watching the undercard Saturday night? So we'll find out. But I think I, I just really think there's just way too many unknowns with that. And also we have to know what condition these guys are in because it's been so long of the layoff. Right. I really just think for, these guys are just going to fill each other out. Eventually, we're, we're going to get either one or two things. We're either going to get a very, you're going to get a slow decision win for Fury, right. or he's going, or Fury's going to stop him probably in mid rounds. Right. Kenny Bayless, uh, my man, uh, did uh, the second fight, yeah. and the Nevada State Athletic Commission doesn't like to have uh, referees do back-to-back fights and rematches, no. or even big main events. Uh, after they they do like to spread things out and yeah. show a little e- equality, but Kenny Bayless should be doing this fight. Uh, I'm sure Kenny Bayless is going to end up with the call of either uh, the Porter Crawford uh, match or probably Canelo and, and, and Plant since that will be the next fight on the docket. Okay, now that makes sense. And it's yeah. weird that they don't have the referees doing the same fight over and over again. You, you would think for continuity it would make a lot yeah. more sense. I guess they're just trying to you know, spread the wealth and all that fun stuff. Well, as you not only they're trying to spread the wealth, but then again, if a, a camp has a perceived problem with an official, then that, that just takes it out of the mix. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, kind of very very similar that we see with NBA playoffs that we see in, uh, you know, uh, Major League Baseball with the World Series and that sort of thing. I mean, you know, you, you don't keep all of the same crews yeah, together you, to do You don't keep Joe Weston and Angel Hernandez forever. Thank yeah. you. Oh, God, you don't. Country Joe. <laughs> That's the second time this week, along with Steve Sachs, we had a Country Joe West and Angel Hernandez uh, <laughs> uh, sighting on the show. There we go. Oh, that is too funny. All right, listen. Okay, if you guys heard this, Marquise Jones, Big Fight Weekend. He's pimping the draw. You better run to the ra- you better run to the sports book here at William Hill and, and go for the, and go for the draw. And the Houston Astros are on the roll here. Three in the inning wow. right now. And the Astros lead seven to four against the White Sox in the bottom of the seventh inning in Houston. And Houston looking to take a commanding two games to none lead here. So uh, huge inning for the Strohs here as this game was tied 4-4. As uh, we be- began the uh, bottom of the seventh, but anyway, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's uh, we'll, we'll be in a- you're calling the draw. Okay, I'm, I'm going for the draw on this. I I just see th- th- some too much of this doesn't make any sense for me to add up to like to pick a certain winner, and th- when, when that happens because you can't get like a definitive like hey it's just gonna be this guy because of this. Whenever you can't put X and Y to Z, you you, you okay. go with the draw. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go with, with Tyson Fury again for the same reason. That I went for him in the first. I just do not see Deontay Wilder getting any better. And when you get that kind of a beatdown, which he received yeah. in the second fight, it is tough to come back from. With you know the busted eardrum, the way he was cut up, just mentally and everything. And then we just saw him taking pause for weeks and even the first couple months after this fight. Not even sure if he wanted to get back in the ring. And you know fighting for the rematch clause and then going through the the trainer changes and all that kind of stuff. And there was a period of time there that we didn't know if Deontay Wilder wanted to fight again, specifically fight Tyson Fury again. But 
for thirty million dollars, of course, he's going to come in and, and 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 take the take the payday. And they went through arbitration. They went through all the stuff, and here we are because Fury was saying, "I'm done with you. Uh, let, let's move on to Joshua or somebody else." Yeah. Now that fight's going to be off because Joshua lost a few weeks ago to Usyk. So, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy, and the crowd going crazy because Kyle These Tucker are just pouring went it yard. Opposite field of the Crawford boxes, it's 9-4, and uh, the Astros on their way to a victory. And uh, that's good for me. Okay. <laughs> I feel bad for our White Sox uh, faithful here uh, in the Cosmopolitan. But anyway, um, yeah. So what gives you the belief that that Deontay Wilder is going to have to, that he's actually going to turn into a boxer? Because like when we talk to Teddy Atlas, Freddie Roach, they're saying, yeah. never seen a guy who's been a heavyweight champion the way he is that has so few fundamentals or yeah. is unfundamentally sound. It sounds weird, but he has lived and died by the big right hand. Granted, he can deliver the right hand anytime. Yeah. He could he could win. He very well could win. But if this is is going to go to the scorecards, there's no way in the world, in my opinion, that, Ty, uh, that uh, Deontay Wilder has a shot of winning enough rounds because he just doesn't have those boxing skills where Fury does. Yeah, and the last time Wilder went to a decision was when he first got the belt to begin with against uh, uh, Stavern back yeah. in 2015, right. and that's not happening ever, ever again. Right. So, and that's why I think, last time I checked, I think it was plus 1,400 for Wilder's decision. That's, yeah. that's, that's kind of flushing money down the toilet, actually. So I, right. I, I, I would avoid all that. Right. So, uh, my thing with Wilder that I think is going to be different is I really think TC, Malik Scott, one way or another, because they had, they had, they've had all this time, all this preparation, He's had to learn at least to set up this right hand. That's what I think right. we're going to see in this fight. I don't think we're going to see Oscar De La Hoya, you know, taking on Tyson Fury Saturday night. I don't think that's going to happen anytime right. soon. I just think that we'll see a vision of water that at least we'll be able to do one or two things. Either find his jab range so he can set up the right hand or at least attack the body, which is something that he needed to do the last two fights that he didn't do at all whatsoever. Everybody will be on the edge of their seat waiting for the big right hand yeah. or you know we'll see what happens for, for me to one of these guys so looking forward to it all right he is marquise johns big fight weekend plug away my friend absolutely you can find me on twitter at week sauce radio uh the website bigfightweekend.com where all things i write for boxing news uh past present future we'll keep an eye on everything going on here in vegas because i'm here for the fights should be a fun time tc this is this is amazing this, this is your pretty cool setup here by the way this is pretty good stuff thank you man i appreciate it yeah <laughs> do a fantastic job here this is our friday home and uh, in our special event home as well too so we appreciate you being here my friend and Great. He's a great follow, not only uh, on Twitter, but uh, on his website, too, at Big Fight Weekend, always covering it. And, uh, and uh, we'll have we got you and I and TJ Reeves and, and others coming up. Uh, actually, the podcast out there right now, right? Yeah, the podcast out there is where we find podcasts located. Uh, Big Fight Weekend, using his Google, they'll pop up immediately. Yeah. Uh, that's our podcast. Actually, we did a recap uh, yesterday that we had, that's right. out right now with all of us breaking down the fight as well. All right, looking forward to that. And uh, if people can go out there and, uh, and find it. And it's always uh, fun being on with you, my friend. Absolutely, Thanks so much, man. There it is. All right, Marquise Johns joins us as we get ready tomorrow for Fury Wilder 3 T-Mobile Arena. It's billed as once and for all, and we'll see how it shakes down tomorrow night at T-Mobile Arena. When we come back, Marco D'Angelo is in the house. He's going to join us. We start handicapping some college and some NFL, and we'll get you an update with the Major League Baseball Division Series next on this fabulous Friday. It is the T.C. Martin Show Live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. There's more in store around your door and more of what you're looking for with the Dr. T.C. Martin.
A fabulous Friday from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. TC Martin in the house. I want to thank Marquise Johns from Big Fight Weekend for joining us uh, last segment. And uh, we're bringing in Marco D'Angelo from Wager Talk. He is in the house. Always love having Marco on because we're breaking it down. College football, the NFL, and, of course, the Major League Baseball. Marco, what is happening, my friend? Uh, it's been a good week, uh, TC. The uh, football's been going well for us the last couple weeks, and uh, I got a lot of dogs I like this weekend. So really, hopefully they'll be barking loud. He should have been on uh, TJ Reeves' uh, you know, Three Dog Thursday, man. There you go. This, these guys from Florida, they're always bugging me about, come up with some dogs, come up with some dogs. I go, I don't always like the dogs. And then I've been, uh, now I've been on fire. I've won four weeks in a row with, with dogs, and they've all won outright. So now these guys are hitting me up every week. I said, now who is it? And I said, you know, there's – only a couple dogs that I really like, but I don't like outright winning dogs for this week in the NFL. I don't know about you. I have a few I like. And one, one's going to be kind of you know hard to swallow because I, I think it's going to be a public play the other way, and right. uh, I always I always love going against the public. All right, good stuff. All right, Marco, let's get everybody caught up on what's happening in Major League Baseball right now. The Houston Astros have exploded, and they're about ready to take a two games to none lead in this best of five ALDS. It's nine four. Uh, the Stro came in here as a slight favorite, like what a, a buck twenty favorite with uh, Framber Valdez uh, on, on the mound. Has kind of been a little uneven over the last month, month and a half of the season. And uh, with Lucas Giolito, not sure what you get with him. And uh, the Astros got to Giolito early today. Uh, White Sox came back. It was four four, and then Houston erupted for five runs in the bottom of the seventh. And that's where we stand now in the uh, top of the eighth. So the White Sox basically are four outs away from being down two games to love in this series. Yeah, no question about it. You know with this Houston team, they've got an explosive offense. My question is, I see your sport in a Houston uh, T-shirt today. Is that as a fan or as a ticket in your pocket? <laughs> so it's funny you say that is because, first and foremost, it is – it's neither one. It's Van, but as you know, Dusty Baker is one of my best friends, so I always support Dusty no matter where he's at. So, uh, again, I uh, got a chance to spend a week or so with him uh, about a month and a half ago at, at, uh, at a homestand there and have my trip planned. I actually was supposed to be there for this this weekend, but the WNBA playoffs got in the way where I have to do my play-by-play duties. So I already booked my, my flight, hotel, and tickets for the ALCS games three, four, and five a while back because that works in my schedule. And I said I just need the Astros to do their job to get there and d- defeat uh, the White Sox, but I need the Tampa Bay Rays to win as well. Therefore, I can get games three, four, and five. If Boston upsets them, then now I've got to go start scrambling and try to change flights around. And with the WNBA finals, if the Aces win tonight, they'll be in the finals. So uh, I, I just, uh, I've had this kind of ladder effect of this needs to happen, this needs to happen. So, so far, I need two more things to happen, Marco. Can, can you endorse that for me? Yeah, I'm not feeling sorry for you. That's a pretty good schedule. <laughs> WNBA finals and uh, Major League Baseball playoffs. Uh, you're, you're living a good life, TC. Uh, but, uh, yeah, and... Uh, and I do have a ticket in my pocket, not this game, but I bet the Astros at the beginning of the season at 22 to one. 
And I got better odds than Mattress Mac. Because Mattress Mac, if you probably heard, he went 16 to 1 to bet a million on the Astros at, at 16 to 1. And those that don't know the Mattress Mac story, he is uh, uh, the guy who owns uh, the gallery furniture uh, chain st- uh, stores in, in Houston. And he's famous for betting on the Astros, betting on uh, anything there in Houston. Uh, he usually doesn't have the best of luck. So that scares me a little bit. But uh, Mattress Mac got him at 16 to 1 and then recently at 10 to 1. So I got him. 22 to 1 back in April. Well, you uh, you beat the closing line value. That's what everybody <laughs> likes to do. Right. And uh, Mattress Mac, I mean, he does it as a advertising, uh, right. you know, he's hedging his advertisement promotion. Yeah. And uh, the other thing that Mattress Mac is known for, I'm not sure you know, but if you've ever watched a horse race, you've seen Run Happy ads. Mm-hmm. Uh, he owns Run Happy, the stallion. So uh, he's he's got his hand into everything. He's a sports guy, no doubt. And like you said, from a business standpoint, yeah. so he basically, if the Astros win, win, then he's going to basically give everyone, uh, if you've bought furniture, you know, I I think a minimum of $3,000, you get get refunded that, that money. In the last year. Yeah. That's, that's and so good that's deal. why you said he's hedging his bet. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to pay for that, right? Absolutely. Uh, and, and it's great promotion for him. But he does uh, in the community. I mean, when they got when they got hit with uh, the hurricanes and stuff, yeah. I mean, he does so much for that. He for does. the city. Uh, in that, actually let people come into his furniture store that, you know, were put out, uh, you know, homeless at the time. So that, nice guy. You like to see, see that uh, work out for him. Another horse owner that's a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. You, B and, and, and Mattress Mac. There you go. All right, my friend, uh, let's stick with Major League Baseball here. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, and who do you have in these series? Uh, I don't have any series plays. I like to take the games uh, game by game because mm-hmm. sometimes then it ends up clouding your judgment on other bets. But uh, I do have one play tonight. We were in action last night. We had Tampa Bay, and I'm coming right back with Tampa Bay. I love uh, uh, Boz on the mound tonight. You know, he's only had three starts up here. A sensational rookie. I love taking uh, young pitchers the first time through the league because you have that advantage. The hitters haven't seen them. It'll be the first time Boston has seen them. And then, you know, if they just get him through the lineup a couple times, you've got that Tampa Bay bullpen. I, I mean, I think Tampa Bay is the most complete team. Uh, you know, they've got the starting pitching. They've got the bullpen. They can hit, you know, and they were in the World Series last year. They they got a taste of it. They want to get back. Uh, you know, I love to see those teams that lose, uh, you know, the championship game and have the chance to go back and get the revenge. And they're on a mission. I like them tonight. So it's funny that you use the term starting pitching with the Tampa Bay Rays because obviously Kevin Cash is famous for using the quote-unquote opener. And, you know, basically you throw out, uh, except for Michael Waka, you haven't heard of any of these other starters that he throws out there. And these are young guys, like you said. And they can come out there and get three outs, maybe two innings, three innings max. So it's funny when you... How do you handicap starting pitching with the Tampa Bay Rays when he goes with that routine? Well, it's a situation because they are so deep with their bullpen and anybody that they can go to. It's really an advantage because, again, you're not having a guy out there for five or six innings that's going to flip the lineup three times. You're going to get him through the lineup once, twice at the most. So, you know, it's an advantage to the, to the pitching staff in those instances when i play tampa i'll have more full game wagers because i trust their bullpen other teams like the atlanta braves if i'm betting the braves i'm betting first five 
uh, wagers because I just don't want to go to the bullpen with a team like them. Uh, you know, the Dodgers, a lot of times, uh, you know, I'll stay first five with them because <laughs> you, the bullpen, you don't know what you're going to get with Jansen whenever he comes in. I hold my breath every time I see him on the yeah. mound. So, you know, you have to have the characteristics of the teams and know which way you want to go. Is this a first five inning team or is this a full game team? All right. Thoughts on the Giants and the Dodgers. I mean, talk about a rivalry. Talking about, I mean, these guys play 19 times during the course of the season. Uh, Going into the final game of the regular season, these guys still battling for, you know, the the division crown, the NL West. And then, you know, the loser having to play in the wild card game, which was the Dodgers. And then they got the the two-run homer for, you know, for them to, to, to get to this spot here. But still, Giants end up. Uh, winning 10 out of the 19 games, so 10 to 9, the run differential basically even. It's just been amazing when you look at these two teams, 105 wins you know, each, and uh, they're facing off in a division series. It's You couldn't ask for any more. For the Dodgers, we expected all of this. Nobody expected this out of the, out of the Giants. Uh, on paper, this team was not supposed to do what they did. Uh, kudos to the manager. Uh, the team is a, you know, a complete team. They're playing as a team uh, from top to bottom. You know, every night there seems like to be a different star. What this game won, though... I've got to look at Walker Bueller, and I got to look at first five. Uh, this this is one of those instances where if I was playing the game, which I didn't for my clients tonight, we only have the one play, but this one I would go first five with the Dodgers. I'm not interested in going the full game with them. All right. How do you see this series playing out? You know what? Again, it has been such a magical year for the Giants. I hate to step in front of a team like yeah. that. The Dodgers were the team last year. They got it done. Uh, but this is a spot that when it goes to, does it come down to the uh, home field? Uh, you know, I mean, baseball, I don't think home field is as important in baseball as it is in the other sports. But uh, still, they got that 10-9. They got the 3-2 uh, with the home. Let's make a weak vote. If I had to play the series, I would go with the, the Giants because it's just been one of those years. That, you know, I, I enjoy watching them. They're fun to watch. Ever since June or even July, people are waiting for the Giants to come back. And yeah. the Brewers were a perfect example of this. For so many years, they would start out on fire, and then once you got to 4th of July, this team just started to fade. And I think a lot of people thought that was going to happen with the Giants, but it didn't happen at all. If anything, they just continued to win, and they got a lot of great breaks as well, too. I mean, when they needed a two-run homer, a three-run homer, they got it. When they needed to get a, a stellar pitching uh, performance, they got it. And again, not a lot of household names with this Giants team. And then you come in with a new manager who is who is discarded, you know, in Texas, and he comes over here, and it's like, you know, even Giants fans are saying, yeah, I don't think much of this. Then they get, you know, Chris Bryant at the trading deadline. And uh, th- this team continues to win. It's crazy. And I know from a sportsbook perspective, sportsbook directors are holding their breath because the Giants were were a hundred to one at the beginning of the season, and there's a huge liability in this town with money on on the San Francisco Giants. If the Giants do win the World Series this year, sportsbooks are going to be you know in in the uh, in in the red for millions upon millions. It again, you know, it was a big surprise with them, and you hit the nail on the head. The starting rotation, I mean, there's no house, there's no big names. I mean, remember coming into the season, you said they never fell off. 
this was a three-team race until the final couple right. weeks of the season. The Padres just absolutely, I mean, you talk about a collapse. Uh, you know, it was monumental what they had down the stretch. And coming into the season, it was supposed to be the Padres and the Dodgers. I think they but, spent too much time uh, once Del Mar opened. I think they just went over to <laughs> Del Mar and, uh, you know, hanging out at the beach and over at your track yeah, over there. Yeah, and, you know, but remember when we came in, you know, in the off season and they signed Snell and everything. Everybody was talking about this team and what it was going to be with that pitching and Pat Chris Paddock was supposed to be one of those young pitchers you know that had so much promise and uh, and then in, hit the trade deadline they're going out and getting guys uh, like uh, Vince Velasquez from Philadelphia that you know I would have not spent you know a nickel on but they didn't have any other choice they had to find some arms and it was bad down the stretch All right quick take on the Braves and the Brewers I like the pitching of the Brewers. I like the bullpen. Uh, huge edge when you go to the bullpen with the Brewers. And, again, that's a team, as I said, the games I take the Braves, it'll be a first five-inning wager. The games that I take the Brewers, it's the complete game because I, I like the bullpen. You, they've got a huge edge over Atlanta. I'll take the Braves for the series. Or, excuse me, I'll take Milwaukee for yep. the series. All right, Marco D'Angelo, wagertalk.com. Check out all of his plays and his picks there. Uh, fantastic handicapper. Love having him with us here. All right, uh, Marco, let's talk a little about some college football here. Um, let's start with the game tonight. We've got Stanford and Arizona State. A little Pac-12 battle here. Uh, Arizona State, look at this team, huh? They're uh, they're at the top of the, the Pac-12 stands. Herm Edwards has done himself a pretty nice job. Stanford, you're not exactly sure what you're going to get. I know Stanford's been a big money burner for a lot of people, not sure you know, what to expect. Remember they came in as, what, 21-point dog and basically uh, you know cost Clay Hilton his job <laughs> as he went into USC and, and won there rather handily. Then last week they were at home and they can't beat UCLA. They go on the road early in the season to K-State. They can't, you know, K-State, uh, you know, wins rather handily. The Stanford team, how do you handicap them? Well, I handicapped them pretty good last week here on your show. I gave you them did? out against uh, Oregon. We got the upset there. Yeah. And actually, I was right on both of these teams. They were good to me last week for my clients. I had Arizona State uh, with the big win over UCLA. I like this Arizona State team. I don't want to lay this many points with them tonight. I think what you're going to get, both teams coming off of major wins last week. It's a Friday night on a short week. Uh, I think you're going to go back to Herm Edwards' roots, and that's going to be defense, and I think you're going to see them running the football tonight. I like the under in this game. We have seen movement to the over, but that's not uncommon on game day to see a total go up when it's – you know, a, a, there's other a couple other games tonight, but this is the only game tonight really on the board. The the right. fans like to bet overs. We know that. Yeah. The John Q. Public's not betting unders, and that's why you're seeing some of that movement to the over. I like it under tonight would be the only play I would make on the game. Yeah, and when you look at uh, what Stanford did last week, uh, defeating Oregon, uh, winning in overtime, that was a huge win you know, for Stanford. And again, not exactly sure what you're going to get with Stanford week in and week out. And I've always liked David Shaw as a coach. Quarterback situation, it's taken some time, but you know they've got that settled uh, you know, in right now. But it, it seems like a pretty big number, um, even though Stanford is on the road, you know, to lay 13 if you like ASU. It, it is a big number, but I'm going to tell you, I, you know, I do a radio show in Arizona every week, so I've been you know, really tuned into this Arizona State team because I have to. They're good. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, they, they had the bad game uh, early in the season that they lost uh, when they went to BYU 
they dominated that game. If you watched the game and looked at the statistics in that game, they had four turnovers in a 16-3 to penalty difference in that game. That's how they lost that game. This is a team that's going to be tough to be beat. I think they can come out of their division, uh, you know, with uh, winning their side of the bracket in the Pac-12. All right, let's take a look at some of the games, uh, college football on Saturday. The the big one, obviously, at the Texas State Fair, Oklahoma and Texas, Red River shootout, rivalry, whatever friendly name that we have to call it now, which I don't abide by, you know. <laughs> I mean, come on. Oklahoma favored by three. Oklahoma has had Texas's number uh, recently. Texas, obviously, with the coaching change, Steve Sarkeesian there. Lincoln Riley knows all about this rivalry. Oklahoma minus three. Yeah, I got to go Oklahoma in this one and lay the three. I know it looks awful tempting to grab Texas and all those points the way they're putting points up, but this team can't stop anybody. Uh, The difference is Oklahoma's defense, and I think they'll get the job done. What's not uh, the norm for Oklahoma this year is their offense has not been explosive. We have not seen that, and that's another reason why I think you're going to see more public money on Texas in this game, but I do like Oklahoma minus the three. All right, Ohio State and Maryland. Uh, Ohio State finally got untracked uh, against Rutgers last week, and they obliterated them on the road. I know there were a lot of people that were thinking about maybe taking you know Rutgers. I believe that line was, what, 15.5 points last week. Now we're back to a convention Ohio State line. They're favored by three touchdowns over Maryland, and Maryland was downright abysmal last week. Yeah, it's a bad spot for Maryland. They had that big TV game last week against Iowa, had a chance to you know make a statement, and man, they were just horrible from start to finish. Uh, I'd have to look at Ohio State here. The problem with Ohio State has been the defense giving up points. Uh, you know, maybe you're always looking for that back door being open. Another way to play this game is to take Ohio State first half, bring that line down a little bit, and I I think you're going to see them get out to a big lead early. And one thing uh, with Ryan Day, he doesn't take his foot off the gas. You know, these coaches, you know, they they won't say it, but they some of these coaches know the point spread. I'm I'm sorry, and they (laughs) they like to make the alumni happy. And think about with Maryland, Maryland's capable of scoring. I mean, you know, they got to his younger brother. I mean, he's capable. They've got some offense, defense. That's a question mark. But, again, it was non-existent last week. Yeah. Yeah. But, again, they're going to see a much different defense (laughs) this week than they saw last week. I mean, Iowa's uh, top four in the country defensively. You got it. All right. Arkansas and Ole Miss. Arkansas was kind of the flavor of the month after they obliterated Texas 41-21 early on in the season. But then they got it handed to them, you know, last week. uh, Got shut out. Um, you know, uh, by Georgia, uh, Ole Miss, five and a half, and we know that Ole Miss can move the ball, Elaine Kiffin offense, and uh, Matt Corral is a very good quarterback. Yeah, I think uh, people are going to be quick to jump back on the old Miss bandwagon, uh, saying, hey, that was Alabama, you know, and they'll get back. Yes, they can score points, no question about it, but their defense can't stop anybody. I think Arkansas bounces back. A little bit of a difference playing uh, Mississippi than playing Georgia. I think they'll find uh, the offensive plays will be working much better this week. I'll take the dog plus the points. And, And same thing with both these teams. I mean, they both, you know, played the powerhouses. Ole Miss, you know, got slammed by Alabama, and then Arkansas got slammed by by Georgia, and now you know they they, they get back, uh, you know, to kind of even ground here to see what happens. But Ole Miss, pretty good at home, laying five and a half. Marco likes the the dog uh, with a little suey pig there. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. Speaking of Georgia, fifteen and a half against Auburn on the road. 
naked eye says this this seems pretty uh, a high number especially we're familiar with Auburn with with Bo Nix and the good running backs that they have they're capable of scoring and Auburn is at home and Auburn is coming off of a comfort behind win it was against LSU but still LSU is still a tough place to play at night and LSU looked pretty good for a majority of that game last week I was on Auburn in that game and I was sweating it because yes they trailed almost that entire game and got the late touchdown uh, got me the win with Auburn this is a spot where that Georgia defense is for real. And my question is with Bo Nix, he just isn't that, you know, I know he came in with a lot of hoopla when he came to Auburn, but he has never lived up to it. And going against this defense, I don't trust it. It's a lot of points on the road. I would lean to Georgia. What I like better, I like the under in the game. I just don't see uh, uh, Auburn scoring enough points to get this game over the total. All right. We talked a little bit about Iowa and what they did to Maryland last week. Uh, Iowa's hosting Penn State, virtually a pick here. Iowa currently a point-and-a-half uh, favorite. Uh, Iowa's defense, stellar. We know that. Penn State, what are we going to get from them this week? Yeah, you talk about defense. These two teams are ranked third and fourth in the country. Guess what? They're also ranked third and fourth in the country defensively. Uh, this is a spot where... You've got two good defenses. i got to look at which quarterback I think is going to have the better game. And for me, that's the Penn State quarterback, Sean uh, Clifford. He is having a magnificent season. He's averaging 267 yards per game, uh, throwing the football, an 11-3 touchdown-to-interception ratio, and he's already had a couple big games on the season. Now, granted, now that Wisconsin win doesn't look as good because Wisconsin, you know, really has not been good since then. But to open up the season on the road at Wisconsin, that was a huge game. It's a tough place to go in there and win. Then they had the whiteout game at Happy Valley against Auburn. So he's already had two big games. The only big game that uh, Iowa's had, last week they were on TV against Maryland, but it was too easy. Their signature win was Iowa State, and we saw Iowa State here. The only teams they can, they've shown that they can beat up this year are when they're 30-point favorites. So uh, I like Penn State in the game. It's uh, right around to pick them now. Uh, I think they get the job done. All right. Alabama, Texas A&M, Alabama lane 18 on the road. Alabama has spanked uh, the Aggies uh, over the last uh, few seasons. Really, we haven't seen A&M really give Alabama a tussle since Johnny Manziel was there. I think that was the last time, seriously, that uh, they played him tough. Uh, Alabama, it just seems, Marco, it doesn't matter if they're home or away, can't make a number big enough right now. You can't, and you know, I said it in the earlier segment, coaches that know point spreads. Nick Saban <laughs> always knows what the point spread is, and, and uh, he manages to get it. And the thing is, Vegas knows that too, and they keep adding points to Alabama, and they keep covering. But i got to tell you, TC, if you do it strictly from a number standpoint, the value side is Texas A&M. But I just can't pull the trigger there. I'm not going to lay this many points on the road, and I think it's actually a couple points too high because Vegas is trying to slow down the money on Alabama. And the other thing that they get pounded on every week with Alabama, TC, is people bet the first half. They have been absolute gold laying first half with Alabama. And when you look at the the halftime lines, and I didn't look what it was on this one, but it's always higher than what a traditional halftime line would be. They add a point, point and a half to it, 
from what it, it should be just by the metrics because they know they're getting one-sided on that bet, and it's been money for two years. All right, we'll get your best bets a, a little bit later on. Anything outside of your best bets that you've seen some uh, intriguing line moves or something personally that you like? Well, there's a game uh, outside of my best bets. Uh, the Notre Dame-Virginia Tech game is an intriguing game to me. Uh, for Notre Dame, I always have a, an angle in college football, TC, that I call the dream crusher game. And what that simply is is when a team loses the game that I think ends their season goals. And for me, Notre Dame losing last week, when you go to Notre Dame, your goal is to play in the playoffs for the national championship. A one-loss Notre Dame team, I don't care if they run the table, there's nobody left on their schedule that's you know, big enough to, to bump them back up, and they're always going to have to be behind Cincinnati in you know any placing. I don't see them getting into the playoffs. So this was, that was the Dream Crusher game last week, and to have to turn around, go on the road this week to play a Virginia Tech team that had last week off, two weeks to prepare for them. It's a night game at Virginia Tech. That crowd's going to be crazy, and we've seen the Notre Dame defense. It is not good this year. They are giving up a lot of points. Justin Fuentes, the head coach of Virginia Tech, is an offensive-minded coach. I think Notre Dame's going to have their hands full with Virginia Tech, and how many people are going to look at the line sheet, pick it up, Notre Dame, pick them. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that looks too easy, buddy. <laughs> All right, uh, we'll dive into this uh, game a little bit more uh, next hour as well, too, once we get to our, our best bets. All right, Marco D'Angelo in the house, wagertalk.com. Go to that website, check it out, and you can get Marco's picks. And, again, great opinion, great analysis, and uh, get educated. I mean, definitely get educated by listening to, to Marco and all of our great handicappers here, part of the show. All right, when we come back, Mike Pritchard is going to join us. We start breaking down the NFL, and we start looking at week number five, including the Raiders at home taking on the Chicago Bears, plus uh, several other marquee games on the docket as well, too. It is the T.C. Martin Show live from the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas, a football-slash-baseball-slash-boxing Friday. Glad to have you with us. Back with more on the other side of our number two. Looks left, throws a lob for Michael Crabtree, caught it, he caught it, he caught it, the Raiders have the lead, 35-34. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Sweet revenge for Michael Crabtree. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us. Hour number two here at TC Martin Show, live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. No better spot to be, especially on a big time weekend. And right now, we've got Major League Baseball playoffs. We've got the ALDS. The Houston Astros have just won nine to four. Cover. 
on the run line for many people. They're very excited. Astros up two games to love in this series. The Brewers playing the Braves right now. No score in the top of the fifth inning there. And, of course, tonight we got Giants-Dodgers. Oh, yeah. Tampa Bay and Boston. It's all happening here. It's a great weekend. It is fight weekend as well, too, here in Las Vegas. It is Fury Wilder 3 tomorrow night, T-Mobile Arena. I appreciate Marquise Johns from Big Fight Weekend who made the trip out to Vegas, who's covering the fight. Uh, He joined us last hour. Looking forward to being there as well, too. So very, very busy weekend here. And, of course, tonight we've got game number five of the WNBA semifinals, the fifth and deciding game. It is the Las Vegas Aces taking on the Phoenix Mercury. It is winner advances to the WNBA finals, take on the Chicago Sky, Candace Parker and company. The loser, their season is done. And the Las Vegas Aces were... Faced an elimination game in Phoenix a couple nights ago. They got that victory over Phoenix by uh, 17 points. And then now they got the home court advantage and uh, will have home court advantage in the finals if they can get by the Phoenix Mercury, Diana Tarazi, Brittany Griner, and company tonight at Mandalay Bay. Tickets, you can get your tickets. Pack the house tonight. And uh, the Aces organization says, come on out and uh, make this place a very tough place for the Phoenix Mercury tonight. Access.com, that's where you get your tickets, AXS.com. Check out this fantastic WNBA action, the Las Vegas Aces and the Phoenix Mercury. It is the fifth and deciding game. Winner goes to the WNBA Finals, which starts on Sunday. So Aces fans are hoping a victory here, and then they're hosting game number one against Chicago Sky on Sunday. So, again, get your tickets for tonight. Special start time, ESPN2, the national TV coverage. And, of course, you can hear my play-by-play down the radio dial a few notches. Actually, tonight we're going to be on Fox Sports uh, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM tonight for that. But to access.com, AXS.com, 6 o'clock is the tip-off 530 pregame show. Looking forward to all of that tonight. All right, join us now. Mike Pritchard in the house, Raider Nation Radio, VEASAN, the former wide receiver, uh, great friend, great colleague. What is up, my man? Glad to have you back here at the Cosmopolitan. Man, the Cosmos up. Man, what's going on here? <laughs> fight weekend, right? I think. It's, it's fight. It's baseball. Yeah. It's, it's it's football. football. It's, it's all yeah. here, man. Fury 277. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Lord. And, and Mike is, is he's actually, it's a double meaning. I think that's close to what the line is, too. Okay. Fury minus 277 <laughs> and his weight, 277. But that's pretty much what he weighed yeah. in the last fight. Yeah, I know. I can't believe it, man. These heavyweights, dude. They're not heavyweights anymore. Super heavyweights now. <laughs> right. Yeah. You got an opinion? Um, No, I don't. Well, I, you know, prize fighting, anything and everything can happen. Especially and the these guys. Yeah, these yeah. guys are going to go at it. I know that much. I don't think it's going to go the distance. What do you guys think? I'm not a boxing guy, but uh, Fury, I don't want to step in front of that yeah. guy. Yeah. He can pack a punch, man. So I, I've been asked about the total of that, too, and I, this, I, I just can't handicap. It's mm-hmm. over 7.5 right. because, you know, when you have guys like this, each guy can end it with one punch. Right. That's what's tough. I, I find it a lot easier to handicap round props when you're dealing with the welterweights or the middleweights and you've got champion versus champion. And I love playing over props, too. You know, give me an over 10.5 or 11 or a distance fight when you have two guys that are matched up that both, you know, uh, can, you know can, can get in the ring, have good footwork, can ha- that have defensive skills, then I love over props. But with this, both guys keep their hands down. And as we know, the only shot that Wilder has to win this fight is with that big right hand. I mean, plain and simple. So it's kind of hard, hard to handicap 
a round prop for me with this in, in an over. But I do like Fury. I don't see anything that's gonna that can change my mind for Deontay Wilder all of a sudden to come up with boxing fundamentals. <laughs> I mean, seriously, he. You know, we talked to Teddy Atlas earlier mm-hmm. in the week, and you talked to Freddie Roach, and never seen a heavyweight that doesn't have boxing fundamentals. That he has to rely solely on power for a guy that defended his title on ten different occasions just by that. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you, when you fight a guy like Tyson Fury who has great footwork and has great speed. And basically, for the most part, Tyson Fury has won a majority of the rounds when they fought in the first two fights. I'm with Marco, I, I don't, I don't want to step in front of Tyson Fury. Right. I want to get behind Tyson Fury. Uh, but if it is going to go the distance, Deontay Wilder can't win a distance fight. No. So to me, it's it's kind of hard to to handicap. But if you're gonna if you're gonna bet it, you don't mind laying you know two two fifty two sixty or whatever it is. Uh, Tyson Fury is probably the smart money here. I, I can't disagree with it. Like I said, I, I don't want to say that I'm an expert on boxing, so uh, I'm not going to tell you any more about it. You come it. to me for boxing. I go to you for horse racing. <laughs> yeah. Plain and simple. There yeah. it is. He's the guy. No question. <laughs> and, and football as well, yeah. too. All right, Pritch. How you feeling, man? How things going? I'm feeling here? great. Shoot, it's the weekend and yeah. um, big game in town for the Raiders. Yeah. Big, big game. Yeah. Uh, let's see if they can get it done. Um, but feeling good. Feeling good. Uh, the season is just rapidly moving around, along, right? I mean, week five already. Week isn't it five, weird? but then college football week yeah. six, halfway through. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. How are you feeling about your Buffaloes? Oh, we got a week <laughs> off. We got a week off, uh, thankfully. We're not on the schedule this week, so, yeah. There yeah. You go. You know, you, yeah, it's been rough, you, man. You don't have to sweat that. Exactly. No, I don't. The offense has really been shaky, hasn't it's it? Been, uh, it's been shaky. It's been challenging. They've been messing with it. I, I think they're going to change it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if the coordinator is going to keep his job or not. There's rumors and stuff like that. So, um, after last year, there was so much promise. But, you know, last year didn't really count because of COVID and everything. So, uh, they, they got their hands full with what they have to do with all the young players that they have to keep them engaged and keep them excited about the future. Right. Mike Pritchard might be getting a call as OC <laughs> in his alma mater at Colorado. Yeah, I'll go. There I'll go, go if they need it. There you go. <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's talk about the Raiders and the Bears. Okay, 105 start the, at Allegiant Stadium. We've seen two games at Allegiant Stadium where the Raiders have fallen behind by 14 points, 14 nothing to be exact, and then they they battle back, they force overtime, they go into overtime, and they win on the final play of the game in, in each overtime, especially that last game, the final play regardless because the clock was was was, uh, was running out. And um, But the Raiders did not have a very impressive performance coming off Monday Night Football against the Chargers in L.A. How do you handicap this game, Mike? Well, this one, uh, it, it's, you know, it, it's tough to handicap it because I don't know where the Raiders are. They're, they're tinkering with a lot of things right now on top of having a lot of injuries. Uh, and, okay, are they key injuries? Maybe uh, when you think about the secondary. But then you look at the Bears and what they want to do. Uh, I don't know how key those injuries are. Uh, for the Raiders, but the offensive line is a concern up against this pass rush for Chicago. So uh, I, I think that's a mismatch right now. I wonder how the Raiders are going to handle that because they haven't ran the football very well. They haven't even possessed the football uh, all that well, especially off the last game. So uh, I, I'm, I'm conflicted here in terms of trying to cap it because uh, I know that the Raiders need to start fast and then put Justin Fields in a in a difficult situation. If they're in the game, if Chicago's in the game and Justin Fields builds confidence, uh, that's gonna that's not gonna bode well for the Raiders, I believe. What do you think of Justin Fields after the limited time that uh, we've seen him here early on in the season? 
I, I, I think he's a rookie quarterback. That's how I look at it right now. I mean, will he be special someday? Maybe. Uh, but right now he's got a lot to learn. And, and the fact that he's finally on the field as a starter, I, I think that's beginning his clock. Because before, I, I don't know if he was ever going to get better in that role. Like, as a player myself, I'm like, how am I going to learn by standing on the sideline? Like, do I go, do I go up to uh, a teammate and ask him, okay, wh- what did that defensive back do to you to D you up? You know, or, or should I go through that experience, right? And so it wasn't until I got on the field where I started to learn, okay, where are my shortcomings? Where do I need to work on? What do I need to improve? And then also at the same time, building up my confidence. I know it's way too early to maybe even talk about it, but it makes for a good discussion. Of the rookie quarterbacks right now, what we've seen, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't seen enough of Trey Lance, but Justin Fields, we've seen a little bit of him. Where do you think Fields is in comparison to the other guys? That's or, a hard one, too. Or, I mean. or let's, <laughs> let me rephrase the okay. question and say, which of the rookie quarterbacks do you like best? Well, it depends on the circumstance. Like, okay. if Zach Wilson was in Chicago, I, he'd probably look pretty good, I would think. Mm-hmm. I mean, or if Mac Jones um, was in Tampa, I don't know if everybody would be singing his uh, – uh, Jacksonville. Right, I don't right, know right. if they would be singing his praises. But it, it, I think – when you're a rookie quarterback, circumstance is everything. Like Patrick Mahomes, if he would have got drafted by the Jets, my goodness. There you go. Like look at Sam Donald right now, right? So, so much is reflective on where you are and where the organization is. Uh, because I've heard this sa- said before, um, but, but not to the extent that I'll say it. Like the quarterback position is the most dependent position on the field. Because you have to have the weapons, you have to have the offensive line, you have to have a running game sometimes. So it, it's hard to evaluate these guys right now until they get at least 20 games under their belt. Right. That quarterback, we always talk about the wide receiver position as being such a codependent position, yeah. one that you played. You know, yep. you have to feel that way too, right? Well, I mean, it is a dependent position, but think but about it. it's just one guy you're realizing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. With a quarterback, you, you have to rely on everything. Mm-hmm. I mean... If the center's not doing their job, then, okay, you're going to get sacked. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you don't have protection set, then you're going to get knocked out, right? Or, or if the receiver runs the wrong route, then, okay, who are you as a quarterback? You know, and, okay, you can make plays with your legs, but can you really? I mean, this is the National Football League. So uh, I, I, I just look at it as the most dependent position on the field. And, and when you have the pieces around you, that's when we see the quarterbacks at their most success level, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the coaching goes so far, but players, and Steve Young, I'll tell you this, uh, he wasn't anything until he got to San Francisco. I mean, think about him in, in Tampa. And I, I just look at everything differently that way in terms of the circumstance can dictate your level of success. Yeah. Mike Pritchard uh, joins us here live at the Cosmopolitan here on this Friday. Marco, Bears, Raiders. Raiders, five-point favorites. <laughs> I lean to the Bears, and I actually want to ask Mike a question because my style of handicapping, a lot of it is situational stuff. When Miami played the Raiders here, I was on Miami. Sweated that three and a half, but got it. But the situation for me was the Raiders had played two weeks before that, the, Mon- the big Monday night game, first game in the new stadium with fans, then went on the road and beat my Pittsburgh Steelers. Granted, the Steelers are horrible this year, and I called that back in August, uh, you know, I'm not a homer, but it still was a big game because of the name and to travel to the East Coast and then come back to play Miami with 
that Monday night game on deck. I thought it was a bad scheduling spot. As you as a player, when you were in there, how hard is it like coming off of a Monday night game and coming back and playing on a short week? Well, first of all, your schedule's off. Um, you typically have that Tuesday off on a normal schedule, but this is going to be different. I mean, you come back after the game, and Tuesday you're going to review the film, and you might have some light work. Uh, but then Friday approaches quickly. Like, I don't know mentally if you're ready for Friday, like today. Typically is a light day, but you do two-minute, you do situations, uh, and you go through the game plan, and, and you, you know, with a fine tooth, and, and you make sure everything's okay. But, you know, with the weekend coming up so quickly, everybody's thinking about getting your body back, too. Uh, and, and so your routines are off, but yet you're still trying to get ready for another game. Uh, so it just throws you off kilter a little bit. Now, the Raiders have been through it because of the first Monday night game. And so I think once you've been through it that way and then you go through it again, you might bounce back sooner than, than you think. And it was a shorter trip to going to L.A. Right. back, back right. here. I Long story short, I lean, I lean to Chicago this week plus the points. I just When I can get the better defense getting points, that's just an adage I don't want to go against. And the Bears clearly at this point have the better defense. Khalil Mack coming back. Yeah, Khalil Mack. Uh, is Akeem Hicks, is he playing, do you know, or is he going to be out? Or? He's questionable. He's right questionable, now. yeah. But, uh, no, they, they have a tremendous pass rush. Uh, I know they were trying to work through some things uh, with this, this side, a new defensive coordinator, but uh, they're innovative too on defense. And some of the things that they're doing uh, up front, because you hear about you hear about running backs chipping the defender, right? But this guy is using defensive backs to chip the offensive lineman and allow his rushers to get there. So he's innovative that way. And I don't know how you prepare for it. Coach Gruden talked about it as they were getting ready for the Chargers that they needed to look at tape on the Chicago Bears now to start preparing for Chicago. So I think they posed some problems like Marco was talking about. How do you feel that Fields is going to handle himself against this Raiders defense? It's hard to say because, you know, his first game as a starter, well, yeah. second game as a starter. I mean, if you think about Detroit and uh, when he was named a starter. But now you have the week of buildup. And, and I think Fields knew it was coming. Um, but it's his team now. And, and from what I gather, the fellas over there in Chicago wants it to be Fields' team. So he's going to have those vets supporting him as if he's their little brother out there. So that's definitely going to happen. Uh, and certainly if you're a defender, if you're Khalil Mack and others, you know that if you do a great job, you got a chance to win this game now. You guys actually might be getting me to sway one of my best bets. Because <laughs> I, I, for my, my third pick in the NFL, I, I was leaning towards the Raiders, mm. and then I was jostling between another game. And uh, because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, you know, it, I would think that the Raiders are due. Here's the due theory. Yeah. Not a great handicapping uh, motive there. But, you know, due for a kind of an easy victory, you know, at home and that, and with Fields' first start and that sort of thing. And the Bears really are void offensively. And I'm thinking that Raider defense, you know, might step up. You know, Crosby actually may have a real big day. That's what I was thinking. But in the back of my mind, everything that both you guys are saying, I, I've kind of toyed with that too. So I guess i got about a half hour to change my mind, right? You do. And the other thing with Fields is if Chicago wins this game, Fields is going to have some big runs in the game. And the first game, Lamar Jackson, he ripped us up that yeah. first game, you know, with the runs. The, the second two games, you really didn't face quarterbacks that are going to tuck the ball and run. 
that's something that Justin Fields brings to the, you know brings to it that the other last two quarterbacks haven't. But the last two quarterbacks were better, fewer passes. Maybe for me, I've just never been a Justin Fields guy. I I just wasn't when he was at Georgia, then when he transferred to Ohio State, and then, you know, the short season last year. And there was things I just wasn't crazy about. And then this year, you know, getting thrown in the fire, and especially with that offensive line in Chicago, I don't know. It was just, you know. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you got if you're back in the Raiders, you, you do look at the Chicago Bears offensive line. And you're like, whoa, how are they going to hold up? Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, and then Montgomery's banged up too, and and you wonder, okay, next guy up is is that next guy up or next guys up? Are they going to be to that level? But the curiosity is there with Justin Fields. I I don't know what we're going to get from him. Right. Maybe that's the advantage that the Raiders have a little bit right there. All right. Since I got both of you guys here, Denver at Pittsburgh, it's a pick em. It's really like a flip of a coin. Go at it, guys. I'm going against my team. Um, Ben's banged up. Ben's been hit so many times this year. The offensive line, that was the whole problem coming into this season, was going to be that offensive line. It's going to take time to gel, and it's not gelling. And Ben's, you know, back there, he's not mobile. He never was mobile, okay? But he's less mobile now. And he came out of last week's game with a banged-up hip. So he's less mobile, even more so. Von Miller with that rush. Uh, you know, Von Miller is having a good good year. It's also a contract year. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Funny that it works out that way. Oh, yeah. But uh, we're healthy again. And uh, if I have to play the game, uh, uh, it would be Denver. <laughs> You know, it, it gets interesting because watching Big Ben play, um, it, it's like he has Big Ben habits with a new offense. Yeah. Like he, you know, people talk about his arm strength and, okay, lack of arm strength or whatever. But when he's in trouble, like Mark was talking about, he's still trying to do what he used to do mm-hmm. with the other offense. And he doesn't even see the guys that are open, his outlets. And, and that, that was perplexing to me that he doesn't know or he's not operating within this offense. So they're out of sync. And then they've skewed their pass-run ratio way too high, in my opinion. I, I thought that the Steelers were going to get more dedicated to running the football, even with that offensive line with Najee Harris. But they haven't done that. They haven't committed themselves that way. Uh, and, and really putting pressure on the defense, too. So, But Denver on the other side, if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't play, you, you have an erratic quarterback and, and Drew Locke who, who's an entitled guy. And that's why he lost the job out there in Denver. But they have a solid offensive line. Mike Munchak's out there. And, and I think Denver will, will try to take the ball from Drew Locke a little bit uh, and run the football with those two running backs that they have. Browns and Chargers. Chargers coming off that. Big win against the Raiders, the three-point favorite at home. And Cleveland, as we know, got probably the best running back duo in the NFL right now with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Uh, Baker Mayfield's having a pretty good year. Your thoughts? Well, he's banged up. I yeah, mean, I, I think that's in the line, though. You would imagine, right? The yeah. shoulder, the, right. It's the non-throwing shoulder. Um, but that team is complete to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if, if Baker elevates his game, watch out. That, that team can be very, very scary. So I, I think that's what we're all looking for, at least I am, can Baker elevate his game? He's without Jarvis Landry, but he's got uh, a ton of weapons uh, across the board there. And you mentioned a running game. Uh, now, now the Chargers, they did a nice job against the Raiders in that running game, but that was a different offensive line they're doing facing this week. So I'd be curious to see because before that uh, Raider game, the Chargers were giving up a lot of yards on the ground. So uh, I, like the, I like the Browns in this one. I like the Browns a lot in this game. Full disclosure, I've told you about all the winners I've had. I'm 0 for 4 on the season involving 
the Charger games, going with or against them. They have been my absolute yeah. nemesis. I was mm. on the Raiders on Monday night, uh, but I like Cle- Cleveland. And what else I like with Cleveland, this is your situational uh, teaser play. This is You've got a lower total. Uh, getting up over, teasing them up over the touchdown, getting all the key numbers, three, four, six, and seven. So if the Browns don't get it done on Sunday, it might not be a good day for me. <laughs> I think the big question, Marco, you know, is is Mayfield. I mean, how healthy is he? Are you talking about the shoulder injury, right? I mean, yeah, that, that could be key for me. Well, it's painful and it's going to be uncomfortable because he's wearing a harness. Right. But as long as he doesn't get slammed on it, you know, if he takes a hit or two, he can protect himself. But uh, Baker's a tough guy. Uh, we have the same agent. He's uh, my agent. is his agent. And, and Baker, I met him at the Senior Bowl years ago. He's a tough, tough guy. Uh, but the thing is, is, you know, when a harness on, and, and is that going to make you uncomfortable? But uh, I, I, I expect him to start playing to the level that everybody's been expecting him to be at right now. Wait a minute. Oklahoma and Colorado guys aren't supposed to get along. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was Texas Tech before Oklahoma. That's true. Yeah. 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 But, when you, be, but when you beat him down, TC, I mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> You're right. Cause you beat him down back in the day. Yeah. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Packers and Bengals there. And the Packers are only a three-point choice on the road here. And here comes Joe Burrow getting a lot of love here again. A little premature for this? Not for me. This is the one that I teased earlier that I said I have a dog in the NFL that nobody's going to want. People are going to look at Green Bay minus three against Cincinnati and say this looks too easy because you know, you're basically pick the winner. It's right. a field, you know, field goal or less. And they're also going to look and see last week, they beat the Steelers, and again, people still are looking at the Steelers with the Steeler name in, in the past. And, you know, people are slow to adjust to the good teams that are going bad. They're, they're quick to adjust to a, a bad team that becomes good, uh, but they don't adjust the other direction when it's a good team. Cincinnati looked horrible against Jacksonville for the first half. And if Urban Meyer kicks the field goal before halftime and goes up 17 nothing. I, I know the metrics guys want you to go there. No. You go up three scores and you go in the locker room with all the momentum. Don't give the home team a chance for a stop and change the momentum. And that's what happened in that game. So I don't see people wanting Cincinnati here. But since he was coming off of beating the Steelers, even though the Steelers are down this year, when it's a team that is beating the snot out of you year after year after year, it's a big win for you. And they had to come back on a short week, and let's face it, I think they were fat and sassy, thinking all they had to do was show up and beat a Jacksonville team. Uh, I think since he shows up this week, and I'm calling for the upset. That's one of my best bets later. Yeah, I mean, you think about it, too. They they could have four wins already after this weekend, which they ties them with last year. Zach Taylor's on the hot seat. How, How great would that feel for him? to already eclipse or, or equal what the, the win output that he had last year. So there's a lot of motivation here off of rest, too. Yeah. Um, and I was curious about why it was only three. Um, but there's some key injuries. There's yeah. an edge guy, um, Darius Smith. And Alexander, is it the d- defensive yeah. back? The Packers are getting a couple uh, other defensive guys coming back, though, for this yeah, game as well, yeah. too. But the, the weapons for Burrow, though, yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase, uh, that guy is incredible. And they got a nice relationship. And, and what I think was telling for me was when they didn't go offensive line and they did draft Chase, 
they were okay with their offensive line. Right. Because a lot of people thought they were going to go offensive line, but Mixon running the football, we'll see where he's going to be at. But, yeah, I, I, Marcos might be on to something here because uh, this is a team that is waiting for the Packers at home, and, and this yeah. is one of those moments on your schedule too. Two more games to look at here. The Niners and the Cardinals. You know, I, got the, I had the Cardinals last week, uh, you know, one of those outright winners against the Rams. I really like what the Cardinals have done with their roster. I like the way Kyler Murray has really matured and developed. And now they're favored by, uh, over the Niners by five here. But uh, this Arizona team, who's the only team in the NFL that's undefeated right now? It's the Cardinals. Uh, I was on Arizona big last week. And for the reason I was on them big last week is the same reason I'm going against them this week. Last week, they were facing the Rams. And the Rams, after that big win over Tampa Bay, was everybody's favorite for the Super Bowl. They were the flavor of the week. Mm-hmm. And in comes undefeated Arizona. But, oh, they haven't played anybody. That's what everybody was saying. Well, that was their statement game, in my opinion. Now they're coming back home, laying points since last uh, two-plus seasons. Arizona, just 1-8 against the spread as a home favorite. Cliff Kingsbury, good coach, but you know what? The rah-rah coaches sometimes, you let your team get way up here, and that can lead them to come down here. And I think you're going to see the regression this week. You got the 49ers. Yes, it's going to be Trey Lance. Uh, didn't look that good last week in relief, but you know it, you know, Pritch, when you go the week of preparation mm-hmm. you have a game plan for your starting quarterback and your backup quarterback doesn't get that many reps this week it'll be a game plan for trey lance with his strengths and he's gotten the reps this week and the advantage that they're going to have over arizona is there's really no game film on trey lance you have the preseason which doesn't count nobody's blitzing and any those things and what you saw last week he was trying to run a game plan that was for the other quarterback so you've got that element there and um i always use an angle in the nfl uh i call it the injured player theory Mm -hmm. I like to take the injured team the first week that the star, you know, a star player is out because one, Vegas is going to overreact to the line because they know the public doesn't want that injured team, and two, uh, you know, you can tell me if you're wrong if I'm wrong in this thought. Um, I think the rest of the team plays at a higher intensity level because you know you got to compensate for the loss. Yes, yeah, exactly, uh, spot on. Actually, uh, here's where I start uh, because of. I know Vance Joseph very well, our right. defense coordinator. He knows Kyle Shanahan very well, uh, and I know Kyle very well. So <laughs> there's a familiarity all over the place. Now, on top of that, the Vikings almost beat the Cardinals, and they run a similar offense, a similar scheme than what Kyle runs because Clint Kubiak ran that scheme, and yeah. Kubiak knew <laughs> Kyle. And I mean, it's crazy. It's endless, all these relationships, right? So there's familiarity there from that standpoint, but you got to stop it. Uh, and, and I, I, you know, with Trey Lance, it's a different offense. It will be. Uh, and I don't know if, if, if Arizona's defense is going to be on, on the same page that way. Mm-hmm. Um, now, on the other side, Kyler Murray is incredible. they got a really good running game to add uh, to what he can do in a passing game. So it, it could get tough on San Francisco because of injuries over there, but 
Uh, I love this matchup. I love this <laughs> yeah. matchup, and, and I think it's a field goal type of game. Sounds like it's your family reunion. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> to me. I know. I know. It's crazy. That's it's cr- crazy. All right, one more. Buffalo and Kansas City, obviously the marquee game, and the Chiefs favored by two over Buffalo rematch of the AFC Championship game last year. Yeah, you, uh, you're you hitting all my best bets <laughs> okay, here. Just save it. Just save it. We'll, we'll get that in five minutes. <laughs> Go ahead, Rich. I'll save mine. Well, I, you know, Buffalo, I'll, I'll start with uh, plus 90 point differential. <laughs> I mean, that's insane to me right now. Four games. It's insane. Uh, and then Kansas City's. I, I had Kansas City as a concern with their defense coming into the season, uh, and that's played out. I mean, that, that's been validated. I don't know when they and if they get help there. Uh, I don't know what they do. Now, offensively, they can try to outscore you, but now you look across the other side, across the field, you got a player like Josh Allen who – who really is in command now. Uh, I think Emmanuel Sanders added to the mix. He's played in Arrowhead for years, and uh, that's just going to help Stephon Diggs in, in the tight end position. And, you know, it, it, Buffalo's clicking. Yeah. They are clicking right now, and I actually like Buffalo in this one. All right. We will get into our best bets when we come back. Trevor Maddich is going to join us, ESPN College Football, and, of course, the former offensive lineman, the 15-time Emmy Award winner. He will join us. He's been on fire. We've been hitting him pretty good, at least uh, from the NFL side over the last few weeks. We'll see if we can continue that. Mike Pritchard in the house. Marco D'Angelo. T.C. Martin with you live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Don't you dare go anywhere. Best bets coming up next. You're listening to some bullshit on the T.C. Martin Show. Never, never once. NFL. Here on this football, baseball, boxing Friday. It is fight week here in Las Vegas. No better place to be here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Not only from your whining and dining options. And, uh, Prince, you and I are supposed to have some food today, man. The schedule. Yeah, you're busy, though. You the, got a big game to call. The, 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 the schedule makers <laughs> haven't been kind to us, man. It's all right. It's all right. But, uh,. Uh, yeah, Pritch and I got to get some food. Marco too. We got to, uh, and no better place than the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas. And also, don't forget, here at the sportsbook powered by William Hill, you have that opportunity to get free money in your account. Now, whether you're a tourist or you're in town, this is where you want to bet. You want to use the phone app. It is so easy to use, and this way you don't have to fight the lines and everything else. Fifty free dollars in your account. Use the promo code TC50. That's right. Go up to the window, deposit at least fifty dollars into a brand new account. Bet where you watch the games. Could be anywhere here, whether you're a local or you're a tourist. Cash out anytime, but deposit at least fifty dollars in a brand new account. Use the promo code TC50. Boom. They'll give you fifty free dollars in your account. Have some fun with it. Wager on the Major League Baseball playoffs, the Divisional Series. You can bet the fight coming up tomorrow night, Fury and Wilder 3. And, of course, you've got plenty of college and NFL action on the board as well. Your William Hill Sportsbook at the palm of your hand. All right, guys, it is time for the best bets. It's Football Friday and time Do you have Trevor. action. Here's the best bets. This Football Friday are three best college plays, three best NFL. Mike Pritchard, how would you like to start us off? I'll start us off. All right, the lead off hitter, yeah, Mike Pritchard. Let's Kick do it. it. Three best college games. Three best college games. Um, well, I'm going to start with Air Force because the last three games, <laughs> they've gone over 40 yards rushing. <laughs> and, I mean, when Air Force got has it rolling like this, I don't care who you are. Wyoming on the schedule, I know that they have these trophies in the front range that they all play for. 
but I, I think uh, Air Force is clicking, so I, I like Air Force in that one. Uh, I'm going to go Iowa, too. Uh, I played in Iowa in 88, and, you know, Iowa is just one of those programs cemented in the Big Ten, uh, and they got this matchup against Penn State. But I, I think it's just one of those moments where you're this close to this moment of getting to the college football playoff, and uh, I think the coaches will have the players' attention. Uh, and certainly a matchup against Penn State will get your attention too. So I, I think as a player, this is every this is a game that everybody wants to have. And, and I think uh, Iowa has the, the personnel to get it done uh, out there. And then I'm going to go BYU. Oh, and, and here's why. Oh, Trevor's alma mater. Yeah, so here's why. We played BYU in the Freedom Bowl in 88. And, you know, I'm, I'm a sophomore, right? And so we, we had these functions around L.A. With, with the players, with the Cougars. And I'm looking at them. I'm like, man, these are grown men we're playing. <laughs> right? I mean, these guys they are grown men, right? And, and here I'm an 18-year-old kid or whatever. But uh, I, I think BYU has it going like that uh, because of depth. Now, the quarterback situation is, is, is going to be interesting. Uh, I believe their quarterback's going to be back uh, and healthy. So uh, with the environment in Provo uh, behind the Cougars, I, I, that's just an intimidate, intimidating place to play. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going with uh, BYU in this one as well. All right, I want to ask you, were you a victim of the pink locker room there in uh, Iowa City? I, you know, I, Well, you know what? Yes, I was. Yes, I was. I remember that. We were, and we used that because we beat them. We beat them 20-17, to 17, and we did use that. Uh, and we celebrated in that locker room after that game. <laughs> That's funny. All right, uh, let's go to our good friend, the BYU alum, the uh, NFL veteran Trevor Maddich. What's going on, brother? Hey, man, I am doing great. And I'm glad you picked BYU because I am staying away from BYU in these things, if you can tell. <laughs> All right, Trevor, three best college plays, and it's not BYU. It's not BYU. Maryland is at Ohio State. The Terrapins are getting 21 points, and I say lay the points. Maryland got blown out by Iowa last week, and they gave up seven turnovers. Talia Tongo Bailoa, their quarterback, had five interceptions in that game. Ohio State is now hitting basically on all cylinders. Guess who the number one offense in the nation is? Is it Ole Miss? Is it Alabama? Nope. It's Ohio State, and the defense's problems early in the season are fixable because they were new starters and young guys filling in for injured starters who were making mental errors that are now rounding into shape, and they're doing better that way. Maryland, I think, is going to come in to Columbus, and I think Tongo Bailoa will throw a bunch more interceptions, in part because he relies too much on his fastball. And he'll get a lot of balls tipped up in the air because of that, in part because his star receiver, Dante Dimas Jr., is now out with injury. I think this is going to be a long day for Maryland and a big party for Ohio State laid the points. Now, I've got Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. The over-under is 47, and I say take the under. Virginia Tech is, is 4-0 to the under. So far this year, usually by a pretty wide margin, by an average of about 16 points. And Ohio State comes into what will be a, a raucous lane stadium with a new starting quarterback. They'll probably start Drew Pine, who came into the season as a freshman third stringer. They've got an offensive line that is just so banged up they can't do anything. It's one of the worst rushing attacks in college football, averaging two and a half yards per carry. Their best player, Michael Mayer, 
had a, had a groin injury late in last week's loss to Cincinnati. He was limping around. And so I don't think Oklahoma. I don't think Notre Dame is going to be able to do a whole lot with that that offensive line that just can't get anything done with a new starting quarterback and a, and a gimpy best player against this fired-up Virginia Tech defense, who, by the way, has had an extra week to prepare coming off of a bye. So I don't think either team is going to score a lot, and I would say take the under with a total of 47. All right, Trevor Mitch. There it is. All right, Marco D'Angelo, wait your talk. Do I, get two or, do I get two or three? You get three. I'm sorry, right. Trevor. See, I kept okay. thinking that BYU was one of your picks. There you go. I got you know, pitch no, no, going with that. Yeah. No, 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 no I, I know. Kick I know it. that. I know that. My bad. I was just jumping no, in. No, that's okay. Sorry. So, New Mexico is at San Diego State. New Mexico, is. they started out strong, but they really struggled in the last three weeks. And San Diego State has one of the best defenses in the group of five. They've got an a, a offense that's getting healthy now, a dominant rushing attack. The Lobos are 0-5 against the spread this year, and they're running into a real buzzsaw against San Diego State. I just don't think that New Mexico is going to be able to score very much, and I think San Diego State laying 19.5 is a number that I am willing to go with. So take the Aztecs and lay the points. There you go. All right, a little Mountain West action. Marco, what do you got? I'm going to start off and make both of these two guys mad. I'm going against BYU this week. I'm taking hey, I'm taking hey. <laughs> Boise State plus the points. And the reason why, you got BYU coming off the rivalry game against Utah State. And, oh, who do they play next week? They've got a Power 5 school. They play Baylor. Could this possibly be a Big 12 audition for BYU? I'm going to go ahead and take the points with Boise. Revenge from last year. Also, LSU plus three. Simply put, I'm going against Florida. Coming off that, breaking that big streak against Florida. And, oh, they got Georgia next week. This is a sandwich spot, LSU. And then the last one, I'm not going to drink the Kool-Aid with Michigan after they demolished Wisconsin last week. Wisconsin's not good. I am going with the home team, Nebraska. Scott Frost gets a big win, takes the... Takes a little bit of the heat off that seat he's been sitting on. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go to the whatever we're calling it, uh, Red River Shootout uh, rivalry, whatever. Come on, I'm old school, man. Let's keep it the shootout. Oklahoma, Texas, Texas State Fair. Steve Sarkeesian, the Texas coach, he knows nothing about this rivalry. You know, Lincoln Riley knows something about it. Those OU players definitely know something about it. OU has won four of the last five, including the last three meetings, including that 2018 Big 12 title game as well. And OU is uh, getting a little bit of a bad rap here. I know we've, we've said that, hey, this isn't the same team. and uh, But you know what? They get up for these big games. And Texas is still a little bit inconsistent for me. A little bit too much, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they played one decent opponent against Arkansas, and they got drilled by 20 by the Razorbacks. I'm going to take a shot here and lay a small price with Oklahoma laying three. Auburn and Georgia. You know, Auburn has been in several big games already. They played at Penn State, and then it was a big game for them as they went to LSU and won on the road because LSU is a tough place to play. But And they got the W there. So now they're at home getting, in my opinion, way too many points. And I know, Marco, I do agree with you. You know, Georgia is a beast, especially defensively. But to me, there's no way in the world Auburn should be getting 15 and a half points. They're coming off a pretty solid performance. Like I said, Bo Nix. 
you know, can be hot, can be cold, but I really love the running back tandem that uh, Auburn has with Tank Bigsby and uh, Jarquez Hunter. So I think, uh, you know, too much is made of George's victory over Clemson uh, that we saw earlier on. And really, this is the first true road game against a good opponent for George as well, too. They're not playing Vanderbilt this week. That was the only road game they had. So wrap that up. And I think, uh, you know, Georgia still has a little bit of a quarterback controversy as well, too, with the injury to JT Daniels. So I want to take Auburn and a whole bunch of points at home. And then this game, it's a little scary. Notre Dame and Virginia Tech. But I am going to go with the Irish in this game. Notre Dame off of a loss is usually money. I understand it's the dream crusher game for you, Marco. I respect that. But Virginia Tech does not offer what uh, Notre Dame has had, had to deal with last week offensively with Cincinnati. I mean, so... Virginia Tech's offense has struggled to score. Braxton uh, Burmeister, their quarterback, doesn't do it for me. He's shaky at best. And Virginia Tech's offense ranks 114th in the nation. Notre Dame, I think, will get the job done despite being on the road. All right, NFL side. Rich. <laughs> you got Mike Bobo on your side, too, uh, going up against his former team. It's there you like go. Auburn, right? There you go. Yeah, that's good. a good angle right there. Um, I'm going to go with the Jets across the pond, as they like to say. Oh, uh, yeah. How about that? Yeah, I like the Jets uh, uh, because, you know, the Falcons, I'm surprised that they cannot find themselves offensively in a consistent way yet. And now you're going to be down Ridley and Gage. Some speed's going to be absent. Uh, Kyle Pitts, I love his ability, but yet is Arthur Smith going to – find a way to showcase it right and, and so the Jets off of momentum off that win last week I like that play right there uh, and then I like I said this earlier I like the Buffalo Bills I, I just I can't get over plus 90 point differential right now <laughs> and, and I know Milano is banged up his hamstring a linebacker there we'll see what happens but this could be a shootout uh, it, or, or it could turn into one of those games where both teams are kind of ready for each other I, I think Buffalo has the amount of weapons that KC has, and you have a quarterback that is really dealing right now. So I like that. And then my third best play uh, at the Browns. I, I think uh, this market, uh, they're curious about the Browns. Uh, I, I was curious about the Browns, too, just from my history uh, right. going up against the Browns. I never thought I could think of the Browns this way, but this is a complete team, and if the quarterback can start playing uh, better, uh, certainly to a higher level, to a higher degree, uh, watch out for the Browns this year. All right. Marco D'Angelo. Uh, first two will be quick because we talked them already. I got San Francisco plus five and a half, and I got Cincinnati plus three. My third best bet, I agree with Pritch. I am on the Buffalo Bills. Revenge. It's the most overused word in sports, but you never forget the team that ended your season, and that was the Kansas City Chiefs that ended the Buffalo Bills season last year. I like Buffalo. Give me points with the better defense. Very nice. Trevor managed three best NFL. Yeah, you know, before I get there, as an aside, uh, at some point, you see, I want to know what's the over-under on ice bags that Auburn quarterback Bo Nick is going to have to have by a halftime <laughs> right. because he gets pounded by Georgia's defense while he tries to run around and make plays like he did against LSU's defense. I know. He better not think that George is LSU. He'll get himself smashed. Well, at least he'll be at home, so the ice bags will be plentiful. They'll be handy. He'll be familiar with them. How's that? I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> Familiarity with the ice bags is an advantage when you're talking about the spread. Yeah. Okay. All right, NFL. So, Jets. I'm going to take this game, too, but I'm going with the total on this one. It's 45, and I'm going with the over. A lot of people are saying you should go with the under because these are not very good teams. The Jets' defense, though, is pretty good. And games in London tend to 
uh, be low-scoring games. But I'm looking at the matchup, guys, and I am seeing reasons why I think this can go over. One is that the Falcons' defense is giving up the most points in the league, 32 points a game. And they're especially giving up big plays to number one receivers. And Corey Davis catching the ball from Zach Wilson, they, they kind of got on fire in the second half of the Titans game last week, and they brought what they did in the preseason in, into the regular season. And I don't think Tampa, or excuse me, Atlanta will be able to stop Zach Wilson's deep throws to Corey Davis. So I think there'll be some points there. I think also that even though the Jets' defense is pretty good, last week against the Titans, they played 93 plays. And now they have to fly all the way across the Atlantic to get to this game in London. And I think this defense will wear down if Atlanta can string together some first downs, which I think they can do. They had a bit of an offensive renaissance last week against Washington, in part because Cordero Patterson, sort of a hybrid running back, well, wide receiver, they figured out how to use them. And they were able to get some things done with that matchup problem. Now, as it has been mentioned, I think Pritch mentioned it, that, uh, Pritch mentioned that the uh, Calvin Ridley is out, best receiver for Atlanta. But I think they've got the, the ability to make up for that. Kyle Pitts, their number four pick in the draft, tied in out of Florida, has been underutilized this year. I think this is the game for them to get him more involved. And Patterson only played 30% of their snaps last week and had much of their production. So they can get him more involved to make up for that. So I think that all adds up to take the over 45 Jets Atlanta. Now, I agree with the guys about Buffalo over the Chiefs. Part of it is revenge. Part of it is that you got two really good offenses and only one good defense. The Bills have one of the best defenses in the league. The Chiefs are giving up the most yards per play in the league. And Kansas City, you know, if you care about such things, they're one and seven against the spread in the last eight games at home. Now, I don't usually look into things like that much. I just sort of look at them from a cursory standpoint because I look at the matchups. But as I look at these matchups, I see Buffalo with a much better ability to slow down Patrick Mahomes than the Chiefs defense has to slow down Josh Allen. So I am taking the Bills and I'm getting a gift of two and a half points. And then Patriots at Texas. Oh, Texans. Oh, my gosh. The, the number, or excuse me, the total on this one is 39.5. And I'm going under. Davis Mills, poor guy at quarterback for Houston. It's not his fault. I mean, behind him on the depth chart, you've got Deshaun Watson out for personal reasons, and Tyrod Taylor on injured reserve. And they don't even list the backup quarterback to the guy. And the last two weeks he started, gave up, or excuse me, they scored an average of four and a half points per game. And I think in order to, to go over 39.5, the Patriots are going to have to do it almost by themselves. And I really don't think that Bill Belichick is going to have Mac Jones slinging the ball around. I think he's going to want to take the air out of this thing, grind it out, get away with a low-scoring game, knowing that if they put up two touchdowns, their defense ought to be able to do the rest. So take the under 39.5, Patriots and Texas. So Trevor Manich probably had the soundbite of all soundbites on this show last week when he took Buffalo, laid 17.5 points against those lowly Texans, right? And what was the quote again, Trevor, about uh, stealing their heart? or What was that again? Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. I, I said Buffalo doesn't want to just take a lead and then take the, get a lead, take the air out of the clock. Buffalo wants to, wants to hammer you. They want to embarrass you. 
They want to harm your soul. <laughs> and so they keep the pedal to the metal, and they're looking to run up the score every chance they get, and that is exactly what they've done since they lost the opener to Pittsburgh. Harm your soul. There you go. I like it. That's great. Good stuff. All right, guys, we go to the NFL side for me, and uh, the Packers and uh, the Bengals. I'm not totally buying the, the Bengals situation right now, and I am going to take the Packers. They've won three in a row, and we know what the Packers' offense is capable of, and they've got things to- sorted out. There's no question about that. But for me, the defense is actually the story for Green Bay in this game. They've actually been better than expected. They're sixth in the NFL right now, only giving up 311 yards per game, and they're getting more healthy. Two big keys they're going to get back this week is Kenny King and Chris Barnes. They're going to be back. I think that's going to make a difference. Again, I still need to see a little bit more of, of Joe Burrow, but I think Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, they are clicking. Aaron Jones in the running game. I think they're going to go into Cincinnati, which really doesn't have that great of a home field advantage. Uh, earlier game as well, too. I think the Packers laying three is a, is a gift here, so I'm going to, to take that. Giants in Dallas. I'm actually going to go with the Giants and take a dog here, plus seven. The Giants have improved every week. And this is a divisional game. We know what that means to both of these teams. But specifically the Giants, you know, they have played Dallas pretty tough. And Saquon Barkley is getting healthier every week as well, too. I look for Barkley to actually have a big day uh, against this Dallas defense. And this Dallas defense, let's talk about this. The 31st-ranked defense in the league. And uh, uh, actually, they're 28th overall, but 31st against the pass. And I think Daniel Jones can can actually do something uh, against this Dallas D. They can keep it close, potentially even win this game outright. Like I said, the Giants have been competitive each week. And uh, remember, um, they won last week as well, too. I think they got a little mojo going, so I'm going to do that. I was all set to take the Raiders, but my uh, my astute colleagues next to me have kind of <laughs> talked me out of it. So, you know, I am going to back away, and I'm going to go back to the doggy dog, and I'm going to take Monday Night Football. I'm going to go with the Colts. I'm going to take the Colts plus seven against the Ravens. Carson Wentz is actually healthy, and Carson Wentz has looked pretty good. He looked very good last week against uh, Dolphins. Say what you want. I know it was the Dolphins, but it was a game on the road where uh, – that uh, the Colts really dominated to get their first win of the season. And the Colts D, we know about the Colts D. They're pretty strong. They're, uh, they're eighth uh, in total yardage given up uh, you know, right now. And uh, Lamar Jackson, that Baltimore offense, they could put up points. He's a threat. I get that. But third down conversions, Baltimore's like next to last. And that's a big stat for me. So I, I think seven is inviting. Monday night football, Colts are playing better. I'm going to take a shot and uh, – I might be just, you know, wanting to kick myself for not taking the Raiders if uh, the Raiders get that victory. But much respect to you guys. I am going to change it up a little bit, but I did have the Colts as kind of like my third or fourth play, so I'm going to do that. Those are our best bets. They're all up on the website. You can check it out along uh, with our other great handicappers as well. Double B, who is vacationing in Mexico, he got his picks in, uh, wearing a sombrero, and he said he was a, a little bit tanked when he sent in his picks last night. So uh, I don't know what you want to take out of that, of course. And then uh, Scott Spicer and Matthew Holt as well, too. And uh, Gilby, the intern. Hopefully, Gilby has laid off his totals. This guy's been giving me college totals over, like, 72s and 78s. I don't think he's won one this year. So I, he finally succumbs says, you know what? That's a good idea. No more totals for me. <laughs> good stuff. All right, appreciate Numchuck back in the studio. Uh, the G-Man Gilby here making it happen. Our great friends here at the Cosmopolitan. Marco, I appreciate you for being here. Uh, great stuff. And Pritch, what can I say, man? Always great having you here, man. Love it. Always love uh, being on your show, man. It's awesome. Great stuff. All right. And uh, come come back. 
We're going to go eat. We'll go grub. Yeah, exactly. Okay. After the WNBA season's <laughs> over, how's that? We definitely got to go to grub. No doubt about it. So I appreciate Mike Pritchard and, of course, Marquise Johns, who joined us, who's in town covering the fight. Tomorrow night, Fury Wilder 3, Marquise Johns from Big Fight Weekend. All right. It's a great weekend here in Vegas. Like I said, WNBA playoff game tonight, game five, the fifth and deciding game. Tomorrow, Fury Wilder 3, Monday, Raiders and the Bears. It's a great weekend to be in Las Vegas. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. Have yourself a good one. We reconvene Monday at 2 o'clock.